This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Wednesday, May 20th, 2020. I am Dave Biddle. I am joined by the people's champ, Matt Baxendale. Bax, Bucknuts was privy to some good news that we broke yesterday on the site last night. We've been told that Ohio State's players have been told, be ready to report back to campus on June 8th. Now, the administration still needs to cross some T's and dot some I's as far as, you know, can they actually get back to activities when they report? But the good news is Ohio State's players have been told, get ready to report on Monday, June 8th. Fantastic news. Yeah, we couldn't have asked for a better bit of, uh, of a, like a Hansel and Gretel trail of crumbs to indicate that we think there's going to be a really good chance of football starting on time. Obviously, nothing's official here. But if the players are showing up on campus in early June, which is the start of the summer semester, then things are unscheduled for the normal schedule to be in place. And that's huge because – if they weren't allowed back for that, then the question would be, when are they allowed back? Because let's face it, these guys are going to need some time in the strength and conditioning area. They're going to need time to work out long before camp starts in August, right? So this is a, it's not just a big deal. It's a huge deal that everybody's getting back on campus and being able to start building their bodies. Uh, I think Tiki Barter used to call it building the armor, right? And that's the thing is, is that if they're not able to come back and have the workout facilities that they haven't had access to for essentially three months, then you have to really wonder how they're going to be able to be able to play football. So I think this is, this is a really good trail of crumbs to indicate that Ohio State football is on track to start on time. And when you look at the big picture, when you see that OU is also opening this fall, other schools in Ohio are announcing that they're opening this fall, I think – Again, you're, you're starting to check off the boxes that make us believe that the Buckeyes are going to be playing. Whether there's fans or not in these games, we don't know. But it looks to me very strongly like we're going to start seeing it. So uh, I feel really happy and optimistic right now knowing the students are getting – or the, 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 the players are going to get back on campus. At the same time, all the students are starting summer school, even if summer school is all online right now. Yeah, yesterday was very interesting and encouraging, you know, from the moment I woke up until I went to bed. There just seemed to be, yesterday, seemed to be a ton of momentum mounting for there to be a college football season, even before we got word that the players were told, hey, get ready to report on June 8th. Because West Virginia President E. Gordon Gee, somebody, a name that will be very familiar to Buckeye fans out there, the former Ohio State president, he made some very interesting comments and encouraging comments to Paul Feinbaum saying, listen, we can't be fearful of this. We know the coronavirus is here. Um, we need to be realists about it. And the quote that I loved is, listen, he's, he's very confident we're going to have a college football season. He says there is going to be a player that gets it 
And when that happens, quote, we can't shut the whole thing down. And Paul Feinbaum even said he thinks this was the most profound comment as far as restarting college football or having a college football season this fall. And I agree. Those were very encouraging comments from Gee. And then, you know, Laura Rutledge was talking about how she's heard the exact same thing off the record from many, many administrators. Gee's now just the one making it public. So, and so you have to think Gordon Gee's not out there on an island. He's saying what all of his colleagues are thinking. And that's fantastic news because I think a lot of people thought, well, if they start college football and a player you know, comes down positive for the coronavirus, are they just going to shut the whole thing down? And, and he's saying, absolutely not. We can't do that. We have to have protocols in place to quarantine that player, um, do whatever we need to do. Just, you know, yesterday was just a uh, bevy of good news, Pax. Yeah, and what Laura Rutledge is saying and what Gordy is saying is certainly what you want to be hearing uh, if you want to see football this fall. Uh, this goes back to the whole living in fear thing. At the end of the day, I know this is a controversial opinion to some, but Ohio has had, as a, at least at one point last week, I haven't looked at the number since, of the college-age kids, there's not been a single fatality from coronavirus. And let's face it, college kids that started this probably paid the least attention to being smart um, uh, around any of the whole uh, social distancing things. You know, I remember uh, joking whenever campus closed that, man, if I was a student, I'd be partying for two straight months at this point. So uh, the fact that we aren't seeing that among college-age kids is really fortunate. And I think with Ohio State, it's a great thing that we're able to look at it and, uh, and, and say, hey, you know, we, we feel optimistic about the health of these kids and these players. Now, that there are still precautions that have to be taken. Uh, let's not forget that guys like Larry Johnson and Greg Madison certainly fit into that higher risk zone. Uh, you have to be able to be able to protect those guys. So whether that – you know, we get Larry Johnson like a permanent like shredder style mask or something that it's like all comfortable and stuff. I don't know. But <laughs> at the end of the day, you know, imagine Larry Johnson on the sideline with a shredder block and a mask. By the way, that would be the best Halloween costume of the year for the state of Ohio. It just popped into my head like a Scarlet and Gary shredder outfit. Well, the but, problem is the players would have to wear the mask around Larry Johnson to protect him. So if they're like in a, in a I've, I've thought about this, if they're in like a team meeting, if you're in a team meeting with mm-hmm. Corey. If you're a quarterback in a team meeting with Corey Dennis, you probably don't need to wear a mask. If you're a D lineman in a meeting with Larry Johnson, wear a mask. Yeah, that's what's be, they're gonna they're gonna have to be more precautions around the higher risk folks. And you know, but the the the, the reality is is that somebody in college sports is gonna get the coronavirus, right? And we're seeing all kinds of treatment things able to come through, which is great. Um, you know, and they're also saying that there may be some ways to treat it so that they can get it out of your system sooner. If, if some of that stuff is reality in, what, three months when, when we're getting close to the start of college football? I mean, less than three months ago is when this whole thing hit here. Like three months ago, we were all living normal lives. So who knows what it's going to be like three months from now. So that's the thing is, is that you, you can't just shut down a season if, if one kid gets it, if two kids get it. You know what I mean? You quarantine, you treat. Hopefully we have quicker treatment methods than we see right now. And we keep playing. And – you know, whether or not some of these non-conference games happen, we'll see. You know, whether or not the flights are there for people to do it, we'll see. I know in a lot of non-major revenue sports, you're seeing kids uh, losing the opportunity to play uh, some of these non-conference games just due to budgetary things. Luckily for Ohio State football, budgetary things are, are not really a discussion, you know. Ohio State football prints money. But, for example, in college hockey, a lot of uh, programs have canceled non-conference games that they have to fly to just to save money for, for the programs. Uh, 
So, you know, we'll, we'll have to see, but I, I like Gordy's attitude. Uh, I, I really still wish he was our president because uh, I can feel a lot more confident than I do with the outgoing president uh, being able to have a good positive attitude towards like working through stuff and getting society as a whole where we need to be. And I think for the state of Ohio, I can't think of a bigger morale boost than getting to watch the Buckeyes play on a Saturday right now. All right. Now we're going to get to questions. we got some good questions to get to. We posted a thread to the front row message board, and we've got some great questions here. We will start right at the top. Mason01 says, Bax, am I crazy for saying that Ryan Day is better than Urban Meyer? Talk to you in seven years, Bax. Uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that's, the, that's the thing. Uh, when it's all said and done, maybe. Um, you could even make an argument to me that right now Ryan Day is a better fit at this point in time than Urban would have been. Um, and But there's a couple factors to that that you have to take into account. First of all, Urban obviously had health issues that sort of sapped some of his legendary drive, right? I mean, the guy is he's, he's one of the greatest coaches of all time here. So, like, we can't just say that, you know, oh, yeah, Ryan Day is better than Urban Meyer. Uh, that's that's it's, it's from one point of view, it's crazy talk, which is the whole career. Ryan Day has had one season as a head coach, right? So let's not get ahead of ourselves. People probably say the same thing about Larry Coker. Now, I don't think that Ryan Day is anything like Larry Coker on the flip side. I think this is something that we said when Ryan Day ascended to the top job a couple years ago, which is, Urban Meyer at one point in time was not just a dynamic recruiter, a, a trendsetter for program cultures. Uh, he was a cutting edge offensive mind. He had a system at Bowling Green, Utah, Florida, where people were confused how to handle it, right? You know, the fact that you would spread a team wide and then run power with your quarterback was like mind boggling to people, right? Because you had a numbers mismatch in the run game because of the spread in the field, and it took teams a while to react. But as we saw, uh, particularly later on in Urban's tenure, that offense, look, defenses know how to defend it now. Um, and to me, it feels like Ryan Day coming to Ohio State right now is somewhat of the equivalent of getting a Utah Urban Meyer, right? The young coach who is at the cutting edge of what offenses should look like now in college football, uh, who, who understands the trend setting that comes with, you know, being part of an elite culture. Uh, what we're getting in Ryan day is the equivalent of getting urban Meyer before he went to Florida, right. For today's time period. So in that measure, you can make an argument to me that right now at this particular point in time, Ryan Day is a better fit for what Ohio State is trying to do. Uh, I can certainly listen to that argument because I do not think that Urban Meyer would have had the offense as dynamic as we've seen this year uh, prior to, you know, his departure. It, it, Urban was visibly uncomfortable with Dwayne Haskins throwing the ball as much as he did. Like, like you could see he was like, all right, this is working, but oh my God, I'm ready to throw up. Like the demeanor in press conferences was somebody who was just like, I don't know what's going on. I'm just happy it's okay. Like, he was so confused by it. Urban wants to run that spread quarterback power. That's his bread and butter, right? 
just the, I think it's that like in football, especially college football, things are cyclical. Programs outside of like Ohio State go up and down. Styles of offense go up and down, right? You know, it was the it was the option game. Then it went to the air raid, and then it went to the the quarterback power kind of situation spread that Urban had. And now we're going to this more pro style, spread them out, hit them in space, almost West Coast style that we're seeing that's that the elite teams are running. And I think Ryan Day is better suited at this moment in time. But to say that he's a better coach than Urban Meyer after Urban essentially went 20 years of being an ultra elite head coach, won three national championships, could have easily won more, recruited almost every year at a major program in the top five, that's hard. I just, and by the way, Urban Meyer also has six more wins against Michigan than Ryan Day. So, you know, let, let, let's, let's see how this goes here. But at this point in time, you can make an argument that Ryan Day's ceiling is certainly higher than having another seven years of a theoretically healthy Urban Meyer because I don't know if Urban could adapt to some of the things that we're seeing right now because – his cutting edge offensive mind became sort of the norm for what a lot of offenses were doing because of what he did. Next question comes from Noonan's 40. I can take this one. Noonan's 40 says, I've been watching games from the Trestle era that I don't specifically remember. So pre 2006, he wants to know, do you you have any recommendations other than the Miami game from pre 2006 in the Trestle? Holy cow. We got a lot Heck yeah, I do. And I'm going to tell you, right, yeah. I'm going to tell you right now, Noonan's 40. A lot of them are going to be Ohio state, Michigan games. I would start, yep. I would start with 2001 Ohio state, Michigan Buckeyes roll in there. Underdogs is Trestle's first game. He made the 310 day speech, which, you know, making that speech and then winning that game in 2001 is what turned this rivalry on its head. So that's the first one I would start with. Then I would go to 2002 and I would watch the Ohio state, Michigan game from 2002. It's a thriller. It's a nail biter. And one of my one of my favorites is 2005 Ohio State Michigan, um, you know I, I don't I, Gonzo catch yeah and and even before that I mean the Buckeyes are trailing by nine with like what what was five that? minutes left yeah I mean when they got the ball I think there was maybe even less than that when they were trailing by nine Troy leads two long touchdown drives you know though obviously the one to Gonzo um, set up Antonio's uh, Antonio Pittman's touchdown to win it so that's what I would go with 2001. 2002, 2005 Ohio State Michigan games, you will love those games. But start with 2001. That's what started it all. And you go and you look at Michigan Stadium, then there weren't a lot of Ohio State fans there. I mean, it was no. back when, when there were mostly Michigan fans in Michigan Stadium for the game. So that's what I would that's recommend. The, that one, too, is that's like you have to put it in a bigger context than that. Not only did that flip the entire Cooper era of losing in that game on its head, Michigan was the team that was in line to go to the Rose Bowl, and Ohio State screwed them by going out and beating them. And that was the game where Jonathan Wells in the first half had three touchdowns. And uh, then he had a calf cramping or something. And Ohio State held on uh, for for a game that completely flipped things on its head. And if we're going to do the Michigan games, my you know, honestly, the one Michigan game that gets forgotten so much is 2004. 2004. You know why? Because, again, Ohio State wasn't great that year. I and think was, they won Purdue the week before or something. They were still and, and it was – and it was Troy's coming out party. They that's yeah. yeah 2004 is another great one. Really, any uh, uh, other than 2003, don't watch that one. Uh, trust me, don't watch the 2003 game. Um, yeah. Any of the Trestle games that you haven't watched yet, 
of the the Michigan games, watch them. Because you're right, 2004 was huge. The Buckeyes win that game 37-21. They were underdogs, I think, by a touchdown. And Troy yep. Smith had his personal coming out party, and Michigan was just shocked. So, all right, we got a few more we got to get to. Bax, you take this next one. This is from Warpig. Michigan, for those that don't know, Michigan quarterback recruit J.J. McCarthy has transferred from his school in Indiana to IMG Academy. Good move for him because the level of competition he was playing was not good. Now he's going to be playing against the best of the best. Question from Warpig backs is, will J.J. McCarthy's transfer to IMG have any negative impact on possible Buckeye prospects? Well, I'm assuming they're talking about J.C. Latham. Um, I don't think so. I think J.J. McCarthy – transfer to IMG is going to be real interesting because this is one guy who gets a lot of talk on the front row because he's easily Michigan's biggest prospect in this class. He's also a kid that was really interested in OSU and OSU decided to go with Kyle McCord at the quarterback position. Um, this is fascinating to me because you remember Sugar Shane Morris, the last five-star quarterback that Michigan had coming in out of high school? Of course. And he was a kid that everybody thought was super awesome in camp, but he played really bad competition in high school. And when he actually played against the big boys in high school, like they came down to Ohio and played, I think it was like St. Ed's and lost like 50 to seven. And you could tell he was a paper tiger real quick. We're going to find out if McCarthy is a guy who just is beaten up on crappy competition or if he's actually a legit player before he gets up there. So that'll be nice. Just trying to give us some clarity on that front, but I don't think it negatively affects any Ohio state prospects. I think the only downside is is that McCarthy goes out and shows out, and some of these other kids who are kind of, you know, rolling their eyes at the Wolverines right now, might be a little more interested in playing with a quarterback you know that's legit. Because let's face it, a lot of these kids know who can play, and if there's actually somebody going to Michigan that they know can play, then that might affect some other kids. But I don't see it affecting Ohio State negatively. Ohio State just has to say, "Oh, you think McCarthy's good? Well, we have McCord. We could have had McCarthy, and we thought McCord was a better choice." Right. Ryan Day had his pick and he picked McCord. I'm like, I'm in. Uh, I'm done. Uh, I'm good with that. That says a lot to me when Ryan Day hand picks a kid. He could have, again, he could have had either one of them, McCord or McCarthy, and he picked McCord. All right. Next question is from, I hope I'm pronouncing this right, Grenci, G R E N C I. Or maybe it's Greckney. 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 I don't know. Yeah, Greckney. G R E C N I wants to know. If you could get one more recruit on the offensive side of the ball and defensive side of the ball from the remaining non-committed recruits in the 2021 class, who would they be? <laughs> I'll go first on this one. You, I'll go with the aforementioned J.C. Latham on offense, and I'll go with J.T.T. on defense. I'm going with my big boys. J.C. Latham and J.T.T. would be my picks. What do you, what do you think, Bax? Those are good choices, and I wouldn't argue it. Uh, I, I'll, I'll, I'll just go uh, with the state of Washington. And uh, <laughs> and smile on my flight back to Columbus with the two five-star top ten kids. But, yeah, I mean, Tony Latham was one of the two, and the other one was JTT. Then, obviously, that's pretty darn good considering they're, what, two of the top three prospects in the country, according to 24-7, something like that. Yeah. So. <laughs> Wouldn't be bad. This one's for you, Bax. This is from Jay Book. People listening to the show might have heard of him. He's our Friday guest every week. I love that Jay Book's asking a question, and this is specifically for you, Bax. It says, Bax, what is your reaction to Jim Harbaugh coming out and saying he doesn't see anything wrong with his program? In fact, in fact, he doesn't need to change anything when it comes to Ohio State, doubling down saying Michigan is on the cusp of making the playoffs. Bax, go. Wait, what? He said that? He said Oh, it. my God. Oh, my God. 
holy crap, that's like Baghdad Bob, Bob saying the streets to Baghdad will be littered with American blood. Like, denial, no. denial, man, denial. Oh, oh my God, that's holy crap, he's gonna get his ass. <laughs> You're speechless almost. <laughs> I, that's just delusional. Like, I literally wrote in the bucket of bullets last week that I thought Brady Hoke had done a better job than Jim Harbaugh. Because at least Hoke's teams had spirit. At least they wanted to fight when it came to playing Ohio State. I mean, hell, they did fight. Hoke sent him out there on a kickoff and told him to start tackling people. Marcus yeah. Hall got him. Yeah, go kill Dontre Wilson was what that was. Yeah. 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 Go, yeah. Marcus Hall gave the double bird to the crowd, and it was like, oh, this is war. You know, like, <laughs> Jim Harbaugh's teams outside of one year where he had – Brady Hoke's recruits, many of which were from Ohio leading the way in 2016, his teams have been rollovers against the Buckeyes. Like he's talking playoffs whenever he can't even come close to beating Ohio State. I mean, they just lost by four touchdowns last year to Ohio State. He hasn't beaten them. He doesn't, he doesn't need to change anything when it comes to Ohio State. Like, holy crap, this guy's out of his mind. Like, this is, this is like Nero fiddling while Rome burns. I don't even know how to put this into context of how stupid of a comment that is. But I guess I can also put it into context like this. You know, you're just uh, – remember Einstein's definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and hoping for different results? It seems to me that uh, Michigan as a, as a whole is getting a little fed up institutionally, even if their fans are blindly defending him, considering he only has two years left on his contract and they haven't extended him. So, I mean – God, reading something like that, that's the best thing ever. I hope they extend him for life because he's never going to beat Ohio State if he doesn't see anything wrong or any need for changes. He's not just losing Ohio State in games. He's losing coaches directly to him. Unless a coach went straight from Ohio State to Michigan or vice versa. No, that happened twice in one offseason. Tells you what the rot is looking like in Ann Arbor for that program. I mean, congratulations, Jimmy Poo. You're out there beating up on Indiana and Rutgers and Maryland, and you can beat the bum teams. But when you actually play a legit elite team, your teeth kicked in. That's insanity. I know, like, man. It reminds me of John Cooper saying it's just another game. And the only difference is John Cooper didn't play quarterback for Ohio State. Like, you should think Jim Harbaugh should know better than anybody. You don't treat the Ohio State game as just like any other game. And he's not saying that, but it just reminds me of, of Cooper saying that. All right, two well, more you know questions. What's even go, crazier? Go, ahead. go ahead. They're on the cusp of the playoffs is what he said. Well, Dude, I, like, Indianapolis yet like what the hell I know is he still focused on that one that 2016 season I mean that's the only time they even had a chance and you know I mean they they came up inches short but he's been blown out in every other game by Ohio State he's just been outclassed and hasn't won any big games at all he's lost between three to five games per season it's just ridiculous um that he doesn't think he needs to change but hey as Bax said I'm in Complete favor of that. If they feel like they don't need to change, don't change. Uh, you guys are doing just fine up there. All right, two more questions to get to. Uh, we have a food question. I always like these. This is from 32 Ooh. Buckeye Forever. 32 Buckeye Forever wants to know, have either of you taken on the Therminator, and what were the results? For those that don't know, I'm sure pretty much everybody knows, the Thurman Cafe in uh, German Village is a, uh, a classic uh, joint here in Columbus, and they serve massive burgers. Yes, I have tried the Therminator, and man, it, I mean, it went well because I was able to have like basically um, it was my lunch, then it was my dinner after I took it home, and then it was my lunch the next day. I, I I'm I could not even come close to finishing the entire burger 
in one sitting. I finished like a third of it. It, it, it kicked my ass. I'll just say that. But it was good. What about you, Bex? So I'm going to throw a curveball in this one. Obviously, I've had the Terminator. I've been to Thurman Cafe down there. But one recommendation I would give to anybody listening is to go to the Delaware and go to Son of Thurman. Um, it's really, really good as well. You don't have the 20-minute wait when this place is just opening. Like, you, you walk up and they're not open yet. And there's already, you know, 18 people in line for the 10 seats there. It's a bigger place. They have the same food. It's awesome. So, Son of Thurman in Delaware, which is really, 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 really good, too. Uh, now, having eaten the Therminator uh, in only two sittings, at least, so uh, that tells you how I'm gaining my COVID-19. Um, but <laughs> the end of the day, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's a staple for Central Ohio. But, again, if you, I would recommend highly when we're all allowed to go back into restaurants again, go up to Son of Thurman. Because that place is, it's, it, it's more convenient in terms of actually being able to like sit down and get a meal versus waiting in line forever. So yeah, but that's, that's a classic. It's a good choice. I like it. Giving the people recommendations on where to go. All right. Final question here. This is from LJ Vantresco. He says, good morning. USC and UCLA both wear their home jerseys when they play. Would you be in favor of the Buckeyes and Michigan doing the same thing? I would not. I like home jerseys and road jerseys. Here's what I hate during the Ohio State-Michigan game. This nonsense when Ohio State wears throwback uniforms, which aren't, yes. even, which aren't even really throwback uniforms. They're just some new uniform that Nike's created for them. The biggest joke was in 2016. It was the Ohio State-Michigan game in the horseshoe. There was one team wearing helmet stickers, and it was Michigan. You know, Ohio, it's just, just Ohio State has one of the greatest uniforms in sports, period. I don't like – now, if you're playing – you know, you know, middle of the season against Penn State, you want to switch it up. I get that. One time a year, the kids like it. No recruits ever going to pick Ohio State because they wore an alternate uniform in the Michigan game. So, to answer your question, no, I, I think going home and road, I like that. But I'll take a step further. I, I don't want to see these alternate uniforms in the Ohio State-Michigan game. Agreed. That's been my pet peeve forever. Like – why are we wearing helmets that don't have the helmet stickers when the helmets are full with helmet stickers? Like you want to wear these alternate jerseys, find a game in like September. Like, like when you have your big, like wear them against Oregon or some crap, you know, wear them whenever you're playing Wisconsin or Penn state in October. Don't wear them in the game. When you have a full helmet of Buckeye leaves, man, that's the best, that's the best helmet in college football. That's the most unique helmet in college football because everybody's helmet's a little different on the team. Like, it has character. It tells a story. You know, it's poetic almost in a game that's anything but. So, wearing these alternate jerseys during the Michigan game is just always drives me insane. Like, you remember the – was it 2000 uh, – maybe 11 it was? The, or Yeah, no, it was 2010. It was the year that, that technically didn't count. And they had just these like maroon helmets that were supposed to be honoring some team from the sixties. And I'm like, this doesn't even look like, like, like Ohio state. It looks like some build a team from the old NCAA video games. I'm not wearing the full Buckeye leave helmets, whatever that those helmets are completely covered on one side. And some of the best players have the right side of their helmet completely covered too. Like that's like, you know, you show people like, 10 pictures that represent America. It might be an Ohio State-Michigan game with a full helmet of Buckeye leaves, right? Like, here's a Grand Canyon. Here's a cookout. Here's the game. You know what I mean? Like, 
I hate those alternate jerseys with a passion. And I probably sound like a grumpy old man, even though I'm only 36, but I think that's just crapping on tradition. And Nike, if they really want to have all that ad, that publicity, pick the second biggest game of the year. Don't take that one. Um, anyways, but the question here was actually whether UCLA and USC with the home jerseys when they play. I mean, if, I'd much rather see the white versus scarlet or the white versus blue. That's the way it should be. By the way, that game should always be at noon too. Like there's people who be like, we should play that at night. No, 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 you play that at noon. All right. I've seen what happened that night after noon games enough on campus to know it's a bad idea. So yeah, the Ohio state and Michigan is the greatest rivalry in sports. Even if Jim Harbaugh is delusional and an idiot, we're still talking about him left and right here in this game. Right. I mean, we, we still like to talk about Brady Hoke. John Cooper is still said with venom in the voices of millions of Ohioans because of that game, right? Which is what Harbaugh is shaping up to be, really. There's no way that we change and mess with that tradition. And that's the reason that people think Ohio State fans are insane, is that we're still worrying about Michigan despite having pounded them for two decades. And I have no shame on that front. That's upholding our end of the bargain and our end of the tradition. So we don't need to worry home jerseys together when they play leave that to the socal guys it looks much better whenever they do it anyways because ucla is a much lighter blue it's a much better contrast great stuff from matt baxendell and thank you to all the listeners who asked great questions we appreciate it again if you like the show and you're listening on apple Podcasts, give us a five-star review it really helps thanks again to bax and thank you to all the listeners out there for tuning in the show hope everyone has a great day let's try that buckeye swag best damn band in the land Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.